Yeah, the, uh, I mean, heck, I what a day in, in Jacksonville. I wish it yeah. would snow. It's raining in 53. I just talked to everybody back home in Rhode Island. They're getting a foot and a half of snow. Dang. I think I'd rather see that for a day and then just go away tomorrow. So I That's the thing with golf. snow. It doesn't really last a day. You know, usually it's going to stick around for a little bit, Brent. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, hey, we are on the road. This is awesome. It's good to be uh, out and about a little bit. has not happened very often. In fact, the last time I was out at a golf course, um, <clears throat> somebody didn't show up, but uh, you made this one. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome, and, man. Uh, here we are at Fields Cadillac in Orange Park. This is technically the first remote that we've been on mm-hmm. since the Players Championship. Yeah, when the world stopped in sports. Yeah, it's and, been a while. Uh, it's pretty wild. Now, listen, I've done a lot from my house in terms of remotes, whether it was quarantine or just during the pandemic uh, by the fire pit. You might remember. Uh, so it's good to be out. We love taking the show on the road. We did it in year one, oh, man, like 85, 90 different times. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is great to be here with our friends at uh, Fields Auto Group and uh, Fields Cadillac. we got the showroom right behind us, the brand-new Escalade. You wanted to see it. I think it's the Absolutely. only reason you came out here. Well, I'm going to be honest. So the last place that we were at, or actually you were at because I didn't go, now was that by design or did I actually do a mistake? That will never be known. Because that was a, a golf course. But it was at a golf course. You know how I feel about golf courses. And you know how I feel about vehicles. The last three cars that I've driven have been Cadillac. So is it coincidence that I'm here and I go to the golf course? One may never know. Sorry, Cody, but I think your birthday is either on the horizon or something, but it's Austin going shopping instead. Oh, well, you know what? I already had a birthday, so thanks for pulling out of it, but we got Christmas coming up. Okay. Though, you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it was her birthday just the other day? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it would have been last Wednesday. All right. Happy yeah. birthday, yeah. Cody. And uh, you might, maybe there'll be something in the driveway. Who knows? Who uh, knows, man? A little Christmas festivities here. It's a great showroom um, here with our, our friends, uh, Jim Signorelli, and, and everything uh, he does and, and helps out the community with St. Michael Soldiers, him and his wife Kathy, and of course our Dream 18 charity support St. Michael Soldiers. We've got the Dream 18 card out there, the golf card uh, with discounted golf, and some of the funds will go back toward uh, St. Michael Soldiers as well. So there's a n- nice little synergy here between everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, the Jags have had a long-time relationship here. I remember doing some events in this showroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Marone was out here. Josh Scobie was out here. Brad Meester came back for it uh, for the St. Michael Soldiers event. So uh, pretty cool uh, to be out here in the middle of a showroom uh, here at uh, Fields Cadillac in Orange Park on a wet, rainy day all over uh, Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew talks to the media. Gardner Minshew is the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars, most importantly, have three games remaining. <laughs> uh, that's it. And then it's uh, over. Yeah. All the attention to the offseason now. Lewis Riddick is getting some interviews with the Detroit Lions with the Houston Texans. He, of course, is on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, another TV guy, maybe, to a GM spot. We've seen it with Mike Mayock. Some people wonder if Daniel Jeremiah. We'll get it uh, with him as well. But uh, does Lewis Riddick do anything for you if the Jags were to put him in the interview wheel? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think from a term of understanding today's game, I think he does a fantastic job. Um, Lewis Riddick was the, was the guy that was in Philadelphia, correct? That, that essentially yes. uh, established. See, and, and that's kind of the only caveat to me that comes with Lewis Riddick, right? And listen, there's a reason why, you know, he's getting his maybe second guard on as a GM because the first one didn't go so well, obviously. And when I think of Philadelphia and I think of that, you know, that, that quote-unquote dream team that was compiled, especially with their defense, um, obviously it was a disaster. Uh, it was a salary cap disaster. It was an on-the-field disaster. You brought a lot of talent in, but they couldn't gel together. And it, it became a night 
nightmare. It was a burden, really, for the, for the Eagles. So um, I'm not saying he's going to make that same mistake again. I'm just saying he doesn't have the perfect resume, per se. But I do like the fact that he's always around the game. Uh, he's a smart dude. He's an analytical guy. And like, like I said, he understands today mo- modern NFL athletes. And, so I do like that. And a good communicator, obviously. He's on TV. And now yeah. does that communicate in terms of behind the scenes and, and, and everyday life? Uh, yeah. I mean, I can be a bad communicator with my family and with the job and still be able to talk in front of a microphone. So I don't think that fully equates, but I guess you get the idea that he might be a good communicator, and communications have been missing mm-hmm. in the Jacksonville building, at least the way we feel uh, it has been. As a player, Lewis Riddick was with the 49ers, uh, the Falcons, the Browns, back to the Falcons, the Raiders, uh, and even even played uh, outside of the NFL with, with some teams. Washington Redskins as a pro scout, director of pro personnel with the Washington Redskins as well. Uh, I'm, well, back at the time it was the Redskins. Thank you, Kuz. It's now the football team. Pro Scout uh, with, in 2008 with the Eagles, then assistant director of pro personnel in 2009, director of pro personnel from 10 to 13. So that's mm-hmm. his most recent spot and stop. And he's been out of the NFL in that capacity since 13. So, I, listen, I, I'll be we, – we say this all the time about the GMs. You can have your pick. Ed Dodds in Indianapolis is a guy that I've read up on, and it intrigues me. I have no idea if he would make a good GM. I don't know how we're supposed to know if a guy's going to make a good GM unless he's done it and the track record is so good. Well, if the track record's so good, he's with a team and probably not available. Yeah. Uh, so I think when you look at some of these guys that haven't fulfilled the position before, well, we're kidding ourselves if we know exactly. It's a little bit of a roll of the dice even for Shad Khan and, and everybody hiring right now, especially if you're hiring a guy that has not done it with a track record in the past. Um, so we don't know. Uh, but the names are intriguing. Again, Daniel Jeremiah, Lewis Riddick, uh, people have brought those names up. If, if I said Mike Mayock's name five or six weeks into the season, you would have been like, hey, looks like it's working. Maybe coming out of the booth's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. that the Raiders have slipped up a little bit in the last month, now you start questioning that if Mike Mayock's going to work long-term or not in that capacity. So it goes to show you the benefit of getting rid of a GM before the season's over, right? Because now the teams that have done that, they have the advantage to interview the guys that aren't with NFL teams, Lewis Riddick being one of those gentlemen. Um you know, he seems to be like a really hot name, and we go through this every single season. There's the hot names, there's the hot commodities, the hot topics. Another guy that I keep hearing about, and the more I think about we've talked about him before on the show a lot, but with John Dorsey, okay, you see what he did in Kansas City, um, bought, brought Patrick Mahomes in, they're having success right now, didn't gel with Andy Reid, John Dorsey was gone. John Dorsey goes to Cleveland, brings in Baker Mayfield, and right now it's looking like not a bad you know, selection there, we'll see how that pans out. But what John Dorsey remembered, too, I mean, he brought in, um, you know, he, he brought in Olivier Vernon. He ended up bringing in Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, I believe. So he brought in a lot of players. And right now, for lack of a better word, they've turned things around in Cleveland a little bit. The only problem with John Dorsey there was he chose to go with Freddie Kitchens one more year. And that cost him his job, right? But you can't deny the talent that he drafted with and the talent that he brought in. So the question goes to you, Brent Martin. From what you've seen from John Dorsey, in Kansas City, rebuilding there. In Cleveland, re- rebuilding there. Are you intrigued to bring John Dorsey? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I've, I've kind of uh, molded this one over a little bit because you know what I said when, when Dave Caldwell got fired as a GM? I said, hey, uh, John Dorsey, I would. I don't know if I bring him in to be my GM long term. It doesn't seem like it's been a fit with Andy Reid or Cleveland or making mistakes or holding on too long. Listen, everybody makes mistakes in that position. Mm-hmm. But if you look at most recent history, he had the foresight to help pick Patrick Mahomes. He was apparently the heavy in that room 
to get Patrick Mahomes, even more than Andy Reid. I know Andy Reid's going to get a lot of credit for it. I think Veach, the other guy there now, is going to get credit for it. But I believe the story is Dorsey was the heavy to get Patrick Mahomes. And then he goes and gets Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. Well, listen. Mayfield right now, you take the quarterback play you're getting with Baker Mayfield. I don't know if everybody's fully convinced Baker Mayfield's like a star in the league, but he certainly is winning football games and has helped turn around Cleveland, and he's grown in the position. So the last two guys he's picked, he's picked Mahomes and Mayfield. I would bring him on just to pick my quarterback, or at least advise me in picking my quarterback. Well, and the crazy thing, too, about Baker is the fact that if you were to draft quarterbacks from that division right now, the AFC North, he might go fourth. You know, you might take Burrow over him. You might take Big Ben right now over Baker Mayfield. You might take Lamar Jackson over Baker Mayfield. So it's crazy how we're talking about, you know, his success. I think you actually would take all those guys over Baker Mayfield. Right now, obviously. Right now. But in the long term, I I think for the future, Big Ben's on the downhill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that's but again to go back to Dorsey you bring up a good point I'm just saying from the quarterback perspective the most important position in all of sports John Dorsey has done a nice job you yeah. can't ignore that the last couple of years but he's also made a lot of mistakes it doesn't seem like he's been a big fit puzzle piece wise so if you're thinking long term down the road for the Jags mm-hmm. if you're thinking like the Raiders were thinking with Mayock and Gruden in this long term thing well then I'm not sure Dorsey makes a lot of mis- uh, sense. You, you've said a little bit on the communication front you'd sure. have concerns with Dorsey. Well, that raises a red flag to me. I, I don't feel like – I wouldn't be extremely disappointed if a guy like Dorsey were to come to Jacksonville given the experience, but I don't think I would be like, yeah. You know, mm. I think right now, I'm telling you, the Ed Dodds guy, the more I read about him, and I'm getting caught up in the reading. I am. Uh, yeah, okay? yeah, I'm getting yeah. caught up in it, but I'm getting caught up in the lineage, the pedigree. Uh, and and look at what Indianapolis is doing, the familiarity in the division. I tell you, I, I, I if I could have my pick right now, and this is a, a job that we have, a, it's a hard thing to handicap, mm. way harder than a head coach, way harder than players. It's a hard thing to handicap. I would lean toward a guy like Ed Dodds because of what he's seeing in Indianapolis, what he's seen before in Seattle, and, of course, the connection has been in the past, uh, I think even with the Cleveland gig, Robert Sala mm-hmm. and Ed Dodds could team together. Could we see something like that? Relationship stems all the way back to the Seattle days. So I would not hate that kind of marriage in Jacksonville. Uh, but from a GM-only job, if I'm listing them right now, yeah. Lewis Riddick to Dorsey to any of the young guns in San Francisco or Baltimore or Kansas City, Ed Dodds, the guy in Indianapolis, and I don't know how much value this has. And I know you don't just steal people's stuff. But it's a shared league. It's a copycat league. He has seen up close what the Indianapolis Colts are doing, mm-hmm. you know, and have done. So I think I've been pretty consistent since Dave Caldwell got fired that uh, an Ed Dodds hire would, would not disappoint me. Yeah, I guess what, where I'm trying to go back to is, is listen, this, there's a lot of things that this team needs going forward. And I think if you look at this roster right now, we can agree that they don't have the talent to compete in the NFL and make it to the playoffs. There's no way. Um, Not to say, you know, maybe Doug Marone, like how great of a coach is he? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't care if you have Pete Carroll. I don't care if you have Bill Belichick. I think with this roster, the way it looks right now, regardless of who you have as a head coach, you're not winning a lot of ball games. And I understand John Dorsey can turn some people off because, once again, didn't get along with Andy Reid. Once again, chose to keep Freddie Kitchens. And when we saw it happen, Freddie Kitchens. I mean, it was a horrible year for the Browns, and now we see what they're doing this year with essentially a lot of the same roster. It goes to show you just how bad Freddie Kitchens was for that job. But my point is what I need from a GM maybe more than anything 
is a guy that can attract talent, evaluate talent, and bring that talent in here. So at least looks good on paper. Now, obviously, you have to go after a head coach as well, and that coach has to coach that talent. But we're we're back in square one. We're building the foundation right now. We're really writing the blueprints. And to write the blueprints, you have to have the talent, and you have to be able to evaluate the talent. And I think... Dorsey can do that. Yeah, and listen, Dorsey's a bold guy, right? I said yes. it's going to take a bold move here or there. Dorsey uh, helped bring Odell Beckham Jr. over, Correct. right? So, again, he's done a nice job building that roster. He's had good vision on that roster in Cleveland, and I don't want to give just him the credit, right? right? Same thing with Kansas City and Mahomes. I'm not giving just him the credit. It's a partnership type of deal, but you're right. Yeah, the fit wasn't right. He, he kept uh, Kitchens too long. Now look at Stefanski and what he's doing. So if it's Dorsey maybe hiring the coach, too. Yeah. Well, then maybe that doesn't make sense. I really don't think Dorsey's going to – I don't know. I just don't have a good feeling that Dorsey's going to be a part of this here in Jacksonville. I really don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. I really feel like it's going to be probably start with the head coach, even though the GM has been fired first. I kind of feel like they're going to go try to get the head coach. I, I, I like what the some of the national guys have insinuated, that it might start building with the head coach first in Jacksonville. That would relate to more of an Urban Meyer or, or one of those big names. Mm-hmm. Now, you might not be able to do that. And so if you can't do that, but does Robert Sala become the heavy guy there? And he then says, hey, I want to bring Ed Dodds in. Or is it go get Ed Dodds and say, I want to bring Robert Sala in? You know what I mean? I'm interested in that dynamic. I don't know which way they'll go. But as we've talked about identity for the Jacksonville Jaguars, we go with identity is the head coach. The good franchises have a head coach that gives you an identity from Tomlin to Carroll to Belichick to Harbaugh. You name it. Andy Reid. I know they have good players. I know Patrick Mahomes is the face of the franchise. He's not the identity of the Chiefs. The identity was built because of Andy Reid, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think that head coach is ultra important, and then, of course, the relationship and how you work with them. That's why so often is, is the case, and you said this before when it comes to coaching. And I don't know if you feel differently about relationship between GM and, and, and head coach, but it's, it's a buddy league, right? You bring in your buddies. You're like, are they the best man for the job? Maybe not, but they're my buddy. Well, yeah. in, the, in the head coach and GM position, you better have a good relationship. There are questions how good relationship Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone had. Mm-hmm. There's definitely questions at, at the exit time how good of a relationship Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone had. It started well. But then in the middle of all that here in Jacksonville, it was Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone. I mean, how was that supposed to be, uh, you know, work in, 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 with synergy and, and without uh, problems, if you will. So I think uh, I think that relationship's important, and maybe you do have to have some background knowledge of the guy before you work with him. Well, definitely a relationship, and definitely, like we've been uh, kind of preaching here on today's show so far, is the communication standpoint. And by communication, I'll get real specific for you. You need a coach here in Jacksonville that has a goal, that has it all mapped out. Here's how we win. Here's how we win the division. Here's how we beat the Titans, the Colts, and the Texans. And then here's how we go to the playoffs and make some noise there. That's the vision. That coach needs to then relay that vision of the type of guys that are going to do that job to the GM. Then it's the GM's job to go out and find those guys, whether it's with free agency or scouting and, you know, obviously all that good stuff, and then find them in the combine, find them in the draft, and draft those guys. And maybe some guys are undrafted free agency. Like, I mean, listen, it sounds easy, and obviously it's a little more complicated than that, but that's as easy as it can be, though. Like, that, that's as basic as it gets. What's the goal? What kind of guys do you need? The GM goes out to get those guys. We'll see what happens. We're going to be live at uh, Fields Cadillac here, part of the Fields Auto Group uh, in Orange Park. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's a, it's a busy day. 
Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about the Jags. So what did Gardner Minshew say today? Where do the Jags go from here? What does James Robinson have to do to finish off what has been an unbelievable season for the undrafted rookie out of Illinois State? We have state championships. We have signing day. We have college football playoff discussion. Uh, uh-oh, why did Florida only drop one spot? Who's available to maybe get that final spot? Does Alabama even have to win? Does Clemson even have to win? Does Notre Dame even have to win? Is this a mulligan day? on championship weekend in college football because of the way the college football playoff committee has set this up. Nice little setting here in the showroom. You know whose vehicle I think that I heard that is? This one right here I'm looking at? Yeah. No, who's that? Scobie. That's Scobie's. One of what? One of a couple, obviously. I've heard that's his. Like he just bought it today or like he just parked it in here? No, like he he ordered it up and it just came off the truck and it's ready to go. And so, hey Josh, your car is ready. Going with that? Your Escalade is ready. What what would you call that color? I think that's called Frost White. Frost White. I'm going to go with. Okay. Uh, But I'll have to get uh, uh, confirmation on that. Yeah, I like that. Frost White. Um, Makes me want a Coors Light right now. (laughs) Tapping the Rockies in here. Yeah, very good. That'd be nice. It's a good looking. You know, I was going to do it from the back of the Escalade. We're going to do the show from the back of the Escalade. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, that thing's a beauty. We don't want to just show the back. We want to show the whole thing. Yeah. So there it is. You might get out of here. You might buy that off Scobie before the day's done. I might just take it. I might not buy it. I might just take it. I'm sure the keys are in the car. That's called stealing. No, I'm not going to. That's fine. He's he's cool. It's called theft. Hey, he owes me one. He owes me one. But uh, the question (laughs) is. If that was Avery Jones' truck. Oh, if that was. Hey, Avery Jones. Hey, I'm going back to Wisconsin. We'll see you later, Brent. Um, The real question is, how do you drive it out of here? And, and I think that that's a legitimate question. Well, where's the where's the door to get out of here? I mean, we love our friends here at Fields Cadillac, but I mean, if you're going to really just steal it, I just well, no, you, open you just, that hey, door. It starts right there. Don't announce it to everybody. Oh, okay. But I'm saying that door is a little too tiny to drive through, isn't it? Is it not? It is. Yeah. Uh, it comes through, I think, over this way. But uh, now we're in the way. See, I, I probably should have scouted this location out before I steal <laughs> Scobie's vehicle. It's all right, though. It's a good I can make some track. adjustments. Everybody's raving about the Escalade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they were at um, the Dream 18. Yes. Right? And, and that's where they showcased it. You know, it wasn't yeah. even for sale at the Dream 18 yet. Yeah. Like, it was for sale, but it wasn't in showrooms yet. Yeah. And that was our first glimpse of it, and you, you couldn't get out of it. Well, I'm not going to lie. And listen, I don't need much as far as furnishings and stuff, but the, the, they have a cooler in there. So there's, like, a fridge in there. I can live in there if I had to. There's a fridge in there? There's a fridge in there. Like, um, like the, the center console, underneath is a fridge. There's a fridge in there, Brent. I can live in there. Seriously. If I had my Wi-Fi, if I had my cell phone, I'm good to go. Wow, how about that? All right, so we're live here until 6 o'clock, and uh, it's a beautiful vehicle. Outside of that vehicle, every other vehicle here in the showroom and on the lot, 0% 72 months going on, which I hear Cadillac never does, plus a rebate. So uh, it's a great time to buy a vehicle here at Fields Cadillac in Orange Park, also another location down in St. Augustine. Well, well, I do have a credit card burning a hole in my phone case right now, Brent. You know, I'm a big boy, and I've got my credit card. You do have credit And guess what? Spoiler alert. The, what do you call it, like the limit? Just went up because I'm paying my bills <laughs> oh, on time. Been good for yeah, you. Yeah, man. So they you're boosted building, up my limit. You're building credit. That's yeah, man. Good to do at age 32. Hey, it's up. Hey, <laughs> it's never 33, too late. 33, Brent. Show me a little respect. Not 33. <laughs> it's, it's never too late. Uh, all right, uh, let's get uh, rolling to our first break. We'll come back. Uh, we obviously talk more football. Reaction from the college football uh, playoffs. We'll give you an update on University Christian. They are playing in the state championship game. Marcel Robinson is there. Also, Trinity Christian plays tonight at seven o'clock. Bowls tomorrow. So. 
There's a lot going on. I was at Sandalwood today for signing day. Uh, it's a heck of a week here in the Jacksonville area, and uh, we are live at uh, Fields Cadillac in Orange Park. Come out and say hello. We're here until 6 o'clock on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. Never heard of what happened in Iowa yesterday, and I don't even know how to pronounce the name of it. Derecho. Austin Lane. Iowa State Cyclones. You should call them the Derechos. You can shorten it up, call them the Chos. Why not, man? I'm into it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, I wouldn't say there's a ton of pressure right now. You know, I don't think anybody really expects much of a 1 and 12 team, but we expect a lot of ourselves. You know, we're going to go out there, um, try not to let, you know, what's going on this season determine what happens these next three games. We're going to go try to have a lot of fun, make the most of them, um, and put some good stuff on tape. I guess that's all you can do, right, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and Gardner Minshew, who will get the start Sunday against the Ravens. Of course, we talked to Calais Campbell yesterday. He said, I want to put uh, Minshew on his back five times. Yeah. Uh, and it's plausible. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about uh, Calais and how Jan uh, will react to, to this Sunday game as well. And uh, two former Jaguars that were a big part of it. You know, one thing I didn't ask yesterday, I don't want to spend too much time on it, as we welcome you back to uh, Fields Cadillac here in Orange Park, part of the Fields Auto Group. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. And, and by the way, it's Crystal White. Crystal White. Crystal White. Missed it by that much, yeah, Brent. it's pretty good. Pretty yeah. close. Uh, it's and, and it's it is beautiful. So mm-hmm. um, make sure you check out. The, that's the newest Escalade if you're interested in the market for, for that or any of the Cadillac uh, vehicles. The Escalade is not under this deal, but 0% 72 mm-hmm. uh, months and a $2,500 rebate on all other vehicles here in the showroom and on the lot. So uh, new vehicles, that is, for uh, here at Fields Cadillac and uh, also down in uh, St. Augustine as well. But I didn't ask this. If Calais Campbell were here, Mm. if Jan were here, how much better would the Jags' defense have been in 2020? And, And listen... I think it's a little bit hard to exactly say. I'm not saying they are they good for two more wins. Are they good? I don't know what that is. But what would they have been able to do differently? How much could they have hidden? Uh, or at the end of the day, can two guys not make up for all that was wrong on the defensive side? Man, yeah, that's that's a great question. I think from a Yannick Ngakwe perspective, you know, playing one side, um, obviously his pass rush could have been used. A lot more. Maybe you actually send for and you get home. But I would probably roll with Calais Campbell just a little more from a leadership standpoint. I have to say that Yannick Ngakwe wasn't a leader. But I'm just saying, you know, Calais Campbell, he, he, he carries that weight. Um, he carries that leadership very well. And I think when you have a young team like this, and especially a team that on defense really struggled, it seems like this year, in the interior offensive—I'm uh, sorry—the interior defensive line portion. Um, you know what we saw flashes from Devon Hamilton. I thought Avery Jones did okay, but then he gets hurt, so they were hurting. Then obviously Taven Bryan comes in, and then he gets benched. So this was a team that was in dire need of a solid three technique, and unfortunately they didn't really have it. So I think obviously Clayus Campbell. Keep in mind, last year according to ProFootballFocus.com was the high highest rated defensive tackle against the run. Now, save what you want about that, whatever it means, whatever it means, but I'm just saying the numbers show that he could help this team this year. Yeah, and, and I don't, again, I, I wonder where they would fit in, right? I mean, you've got Josh Allen, you got Dewan Smoot, uh, Allen gets hurt a bunch, Smoot is playing pretty good football. Um, it, I think they wanted to lower the reps either way for Calais Campbell. Uh, I can't imagine Jan wouldn't have helped a little bit. 
you know, I think they both would have helped. I think what's hard to know is how much they would have raised the level of uh, from 30 points a game to 24 points a game or from one win to five wins. It's really hard. Outside of quarterback, it's really hard to say, well, that guy would have won us this many more games. But if I put it in the context of the Jaguars lost five games this year mm. by four points or less so far, well, if I put it in that context, you got to believe two players of that caliber mm. would have really helped because a lot of the losses were in large part because of the defense. See, to me, though, I guess I separate Clayus Campbell from Yannick Ngakwe because they're two different stories. Yannick Ngakwe didn't want to be here. Yeah. Right? So one could assume that if they chose to keep him this year and he was playing, we're not sure what type of chemistry, we're not sure what type of, you know, locker room distractions that would cause with Ngakwe wanting to be out of there. So, like, I get it. He still would have helped more than likely because, keep in mind, he is still playing for a lot of money regardless if he was here or not. But from Clayus Campbell's perspective, let's be honest. I, I mean, as far as I know, he didn't ask for the trade. He, I think he still wanted to be in Jacksonville. I think he wanted to see the whole thing through. And they chose to trade him. So I side with Clayus Campbell a lot more than Ngakwe just because the situations are different. Ngakwe wanted out. Clayus Campbell hasn't said one time he wanted out of Jacksonville, but they chose to trade him anyways. I got another one for you, okay? Will the Jaguars cut Taven Bryan this offseason? He's got another year left on his deal. And so I don't have to go look it up uh, in the yeah, – no, I can find it here. This is what Doug Marone said today about Doug Costin. Of course, Doug Costin, number 58, recovered a fumble. He's played very good football. The hard thing I don't know about Doug Costin, I, I appreciate the efforts, appreciate what he's done. I just don't know if it's relative to a pretty bad defense mm. or if he might be now a player for this football team from a depth standpoint. I'm not talking about an old pro, but still, you want eight guys. Is Doug Costin going to be in the rotation in the middle for the Jags, or is it just he's the best they have? Well, Doug Marone uh, says, hmm, where does he say it? Here we go. I have to start. Uh, when you get anyone that's a free agent, he comes in and he starts playing better than some of the other players you have. That's a big plus or minus, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Well, that's a shot yeah, at the interior. And mostly probably Taven Bryan. Avery Jones has been injured. But wow. I mean, that's, uh, again, we around here will look at this one as probably a minus, right? Oh, without a doubt. Yes, yes. It's definitely a minus because what you sacrificed on the other end with the first round pick in Taven Bryan. So it's obviously a minus because right now where Taven Bryan sits, you did not get a good return on your investment by taking him in the first round. Simple as that. So do they cut him? Does a new regime come in and see the same thing? Do they try to rescue Taven Bryan and say, hey, this guy was picked in the first round because he's got these physical traits, mm. right? He's got a step. He's a big, strong man. But it seems like, at least from what I've heard, is he just doesn't know the game of football. And he's really kind of stubborn about it or not learning or not adapting to it or not growing quick enough, one of those things. You know, I, I don't want to be overly harsh on him, especially a guy that doesn't know the ins and outs of, of playing the defensive line. Yeah. But, I mean, is he is this a coachable thing that if you stay with him a little bit longer, you got to believe they've tried to coach the heck out of this guy yeah. the last year and a half. So that's a hard question to answer because I was very adamant, obviously, his rookie year, they put him out of position, right? They put him in that big end technique. He didn't do well there, and I felt like that year was really a detriment because you're essentially playing a position that you probably never played before. So you set that guy up for a bad start. 
Now his second year, he moved back to the three technique. We saw glimpses, flashes here, you know, like where he got off the ball, got in the backfield, caused chaos, and he's always going to have that. It, it, it'd be one thing if he didn't have the physical attributes. It'd be another thing if he didn't have the get-off or the athleticism. We see that. All right, the frustrating part with Taven Bryan, and it's where I thought he could turn over a new leaf this year, is I thought that he needed more reps. He just had to, you know, he had to feel those blocks a little more what the offensive line was trying to do to him, right? Because that just comes with reps. Like, you can watch film, you can go through walkthroughs and practice and all this stuff, but until you actually see it in a game, full speed, live contact, that's different. And let's be honest, Taven Bryan has saw a lot of those reps this year, um, and he hasn't, you know, he hasn't improved at all. So if I'm a new coach coming in and I'm breaking down film, I'm going to say, all right, how long has he been here? It's been three years, correct? Mm -hmm. All right, three years. Okay. How many reps has he has he got in? Oof. All right, but this past year he had a lot of reps in. Um, and do I see improvements? And I don't right now. So listen. No, they've actually been better when he's out of the lineup. Yeah. So listen. I mean, to be quite frank, and I don't yeah. know if he is the problem for a lot of their early stuff, but they have been better most of the, if you look at it in totality since his snaps went down. Yeah, I mean, the, listen, I mean, I like, work too good last yeah. Sunday. No, no, I hear you. I mean, the, the defense was a good in general on Sunday. But I think that it depends what kind of scheme you run. But once again, I mean, he's played that big end technique, the five, so kind of like a three, four. I mean, essentially like that five technique, it's almost like you're, and I don't want to get too in the X's and O's here, but there are some similarities to like a three, four outside defensive end. Or like where the guy okay. the side shades outside, okay. right? So like... I don't think he can do that. So, like, I'm sitting here saying, I think if the 3-4 defense came in here, he probably couldn't do that. Could he play a 3 technique? Well, we're seeing it this season. Has he improved? Has he learned? Has he got a feel for the game? No. Yes, the intangibles are there, but the mindset's not there. So, I'll be honest with you. When the new regime comes in and they're watching film and they're trying to evaluate who do we take going forward, I would not be surprised if Taven Bryan is not one of those guys. Hmm. How about that? Uh, that would be pretty interesting. It sounds like Doug Marone would cut him. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, listen, okay, like, and I get Doug Marone's cracking jokes and everything, but you're the same guy that told us in the preseason that you they like were, what you see from Taven. They Ryan. were raving All right? about it. Everybody was gushing about Taven they Ryan. Were. Okay, so you can't have it both ways. You can't crack jokes when the season's almost over and say, well, it's pretty bad when a free agent comes in and outplays you guys you got right now. That's fine. Have your laugh. Make your sound bite. That's cool. But you told us in the preseason that Taven Bryan was going to be the guy going forward. I've got another question about next year. I feel like it's, uh, I mean, we're, we're kind of doing, it feels like an off-season show almost. But I, I thought about this the other day, and I can't remember if we even discussed it at all, if I asked the question or if I was just thinking about it. But given the... The landscape of Gardner Minshew so far this season and what's transpired in the last month, month and a half especially. But also given the fact that Dave Caldwell's not here and Doug Marone's not going to be here, we don't think, and there's all these changes. And given the fact that Gardner Minshew has played now some 20-something games in the NFL, so he has experience, and he's cheap. He's a sixth-round pick that you have under contract for two more years. Mm -hmm. Is he the backup quarterback in Jacksonville? next year as it sits right now or do they do something different because keep in mind we we fully understand and expect that it's whether it's zach wilson or justin fields or trevor lawrence or you name it there's going to be a young quarterback here i got it so yeah. do you think gardner Minshew is the guy because i'll tell you what i believe he is like th that's been one of my big proponents about playing him these last few games is let him grow let him experience more things he's still a young quarterback if he's going to be your backup i want him playing i would have sent a message from shot Khan down to doug marone be like play 15 
Not for anything yeah. else except to get them reps and have them be ready for next year. So the question is, is Gardner Minshew going to stay? Let me ask you this question, Brent. Take Taysom Hill off the table and take Jameis Winston off the table. Who would you rather start in a football game right now? Chase Daniel, Gardner Minshew. And I think you make arguments for both guys, but I just want your wholehearted opinion here. Well, I, in fairness to Chase, I haven't seen him up close, but sure. he's been running around the league now, and he's kind of career journeyman, and he's still got a gig in the NFL, so there's probably some nice things about there him is. that people see. But I don't think there's a question. I think I think Gardner Minshew has done so much more. Like, I've seen him do more. How many starts does Chase Daniel have? Like, three? Well, and you know what? He kind of got put back on the map because last, uh, you know, last week Matthew Stafford goes out Chase Daniel comes in, and he kind of rallies that team a little bit. So, yeah. like, there is some hype around with Chase Daniel right now. Um, and, and, obviously, I know Chase Daniel and everything like that. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying, who would you rather start? I would rather have Minshew. So, here's the thing with that, all right? So, what you just said, you'd rather start Minshew, and I agree with you. I'd rather start Minshew as well. Well, guess what? Chase Daniel is one of the highest-paid backups in the entire NFL. Do you know why? Because he's high regarded as a backup quarterback. So, if we're saying right now that we would start Garner Minshew over him, and obviously for a lot less money... It's a no-brainer to keep Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I don't get. I, 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 I guess we'll figure out. And I'm not saying the next group of folks that come in here will fall in love with Gardner Minshew as a quarterback. But who falls in love with any backup quarterback? Hardly, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jameis Winston has done a lot of good things, but nobody's in love with him. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he's sitting that's in the why, three hole in yeah. New Orleans. That's, that's why I said Taysom Hill because they seem to fall in love with Taysom. Yeah, Hill. Taysom Hill's a little bit of a different he's animal. Outlier, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you look at Marcus Mariota. I mean, they paid him like seven and a half million to back up. I mean, that was stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why did they do that? That was less about Mariota, I think, and more about Derek Carr. And they didn't have the the faith in him. They said, okay, what if stuff goes wrong? Or maybe it was to push him. Who knows? Yeah. But seven. I don't want seven and a half million dollars for my backup quarterback. No. You know, Nick Foles kind of set that precedent with the Eagles. Remember, they they brought him on for pretty good money, mm-hmm. and they were willing to pay him pretty good money. Uh, and now it's like, okay, you're, you should be invested just in case. I mean, look at New Orleans. Drew Brees, it had to lean on somebody. But again, if I sit here and give you this situation next year, and, and let's go to November, and the Jaguars are 4-3, and three, mm-hmm. okay? And Justin Fields is your quarterback. He's doing a nice job. And he gets dinged up a little bit, twists an ankle, and can't play for the next two weeks. I always say it. All you're asking that guy to come in and do, is go one and one. Mm-hmm. Can he come in and go one and one? And when Justin Fields, your guy, comes back in, can you be five and four mm-hmm. and still right in the thick of it? And I think the answer to that question with Minshew is absolutely. I think absolutely he can do that for you. Well, and he's definitely he showed that before as well, right? Like, I think he made he his most saved money them last year. Well, I think Gardner <laughs> Minshew made his most money with, with this team. When it was unsuspected, right? When all of a sudden, oh, first game of the season, oh, no, Foles goes down, Minshew steps in. Like, listen, a lot of rookie quarterbacks wouldn't have been ready for that moment. Kansas City Chiefs at home, Foles goes down. Like, who expects to start in that game? Now, whether Minshew expected to start or not, he was ready. He didn't back down. He looked pretty dang good. And then when, when Minshew was called again, was it the Chargers? game or there was a uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I keep remember. forgetting yeah. too was it the, the the Bucks game I think it was it might yeah, be the that, Bucks that game goes and out. then he goes out yeah and he gives a little spark so like I think you'd be lucky to have Gardner Minshew as that backup guy because let's and let's find the biggest piece of wood and knock on it right now if, if they do get you know uh, Justin Fields and he comes in here and for whatever reason he goes out for the game I'm not even gonna jinx it I'm gonna knock on some more wood but if that happens 
you like the fact that a guy who's done this before, a guy who's looked good doing this before, can do it again and try to salvage a season for you. Again, I think that you always ask this question. Is your backup quarterback, can he give you 500? Can he get you 500? Carter Minshew did that last year. He's 6-6 six and six and starts. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's 500. Now, when he's the guy, he wasn't as successful this year. Yeah. So, you know, Foles has made a living doing that. If I was coaching Nick Foles, he's still on my roster, I'd just bring him in every second half. The guy's <laughs> unbelievable when he co- when he comes in a game. He starts a game and he's terrible. Yeah. So it's it's a weird thing. But I don't think there's any question, although I'll tell you, I've talked to more people in the last few weeks about Gardner Minshew, and there's just like they're turned off by Minshew this year. Uh, it, I think in that building, but there's going to be a whole new crop of people in that building. Yeah. And for my well, money, for for – for the logic of it all, Gardner Minshew is going to be the backup quarterback in Jacksonville in 2021. You think Jake Luton's going to be here as well? Well, why not? I'm not yeah. going to give up on Jake Luton, but I still think I'd rather play Minshew no, than Luton. Now, no, maybe Luton out. develops enough in the next year, and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, I think Minshew will be in that position. Hey, what do you think about the college football playoff? What a farce. The good old boys do it again in college football. We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. Write down the date December 15, 2020 on some sheet of paper and make a little notation next to it. That was the day college football became figure skating. College football became gymnastics. College football became something that is judged by people watching rather than decided by people on the field. What happened last night was ridiculous, ridiculous, and it is the best illustration yet of the complete fallacy that is the system by which they choose the teams to play in the college football playoff. That was Mike Greenberg right there talking about uh, the college football playoff committee. Yeah. You know, I like to have different opinions at everybody, but I think everybody's on the same page on this one. What are they doing? What are they doing? As we talk about it, too, check out this. Jim Signorelli has this. I think this is going to be up for auction at some point for St. Michael's Soldier. I like but, that. You know, listen, I'm not a Gator fan, but Gator fans will like that now. Yeah. The alternate help. Nice matte black, or no, matte, matte blue there with the, the old school logo. I like that it. Is, I mean, feel like, look at that. Uh, it does look like a, it feels like a different helmet. Yeah. Because I mean, of the matte, I, you know? I didn't have these back then, I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's crazy how far helmets have come in the past. You know, eight years. Oh, well, no doubt about it, right? I mean, from because like safety measure. Well, keep in mind where I'm coming from, Murray State. We're just looking to have a helmet. Oh sometimes. yeah, yeah. You got the you old leather helmet oh, yeah, at Murray much. State. I mean, pretty much. And whatever's cheapest there at Murray State. So two pairs be, of cleats to last you the whole time. Got to be gentle there with that because that's going to be up for auction. I think sooner than later. Oh, but, I thought uh, we we're doing like, like a national signing day thing here or something. <laughs> well, there you go. We could. We're picking. Yeah. <laughs> Who else want to pick? <laughs> What's up, Brendan? Are you going to ESPN uh, Gainesville? Uh, or uh, Murray State, uh, <laughs> Ashland University, or Florida? Yeah. Hey. I'll go to Ashland <laughs> and kick. There you go. <laughs> uh, welcome back, everybody. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. We're at Fields Cadillac here, part of the Fields Auto Group. And uh, beautiful new Escalade 2021. It's like the hottest car going. Mm-hmm. They can't make them fast enough, apparently, is what our buddy Jim says here at uh, Fields Auto Group. You know, my wife has a Cadillac XT6. We absolutely love it, leasing it. And uh, just awesome customer service here at Fields Cadillac. Felt a little different. Uh, and this was our first experience with Cadillac a few months back. She absolutely loves the vehicle. And if you're buying any vehicle other than the Escalade, it's 0% 72 months right now, plus a $2,500 rebate. So uh, I hear they don't do this very often at Cadillac, but they're doing it now. Uh, right in time for the holiday season, so come check it out. Fields Cadillac in Orange Park, also in uh, St. Augustine, part of the Fields Auto Group. 
All right, the college football playoff. I mean, what? so you're telling me Clemson, mm-hmm. Alabama, mm-hmm. Notre Dame yes. can all lose. Mm-hmm. And they're in, right? I mean, that's what they told us. Yes. Is as simple as that. Correct. Like, if they lose, is there any way that if Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama lose, that they are not in? Now, keep in mind, Clemson would have two losses. But they dropped Florida one spot despite losing a second game. So Clemson right now is in the three-hole. Yeah. Would they just drop one spot? Or would Texas A&M jump them? No, no. I mean, I think how it's set right now, regardless of what happens, unless it's like a blowout victory that nobody sees coming, um, how it's set right now is how it's going to shake out. And I'm sorry, Texas A&M, and I'm sorry, Florida Gators, but no matter what you do, you're not getting in, okay? You had your chance. You got bounced out of the club. You're wearing tall tees in the club. You're wearing Crocs in the club. And right now, security's like, you ain't coming back in. So go ahead and do what you got to do in the parking lot, but you ain't coming to this party. Well, here's the thing. I don't. Uh, I think even Florida has a little bit of a chance. A little bit. Now, they need a lot to happen. They need uh, – <laughs> got Gator friend. He came, hey, out of, came out of his office, he actually. Yeah. I was like, hey, wait, don't talk that he way about a, the Gators. He had a look on his face, I, man. I actually, I'm not a Gator, as you know, but I'm actually with him. I think the Gators still can find a way. There's a path in for the Gators. Here's what has to happen. Ohio State has to get upset, in my opinion. Uh, I think – I'm not going to worry about Iowa State yet. They have two losses. It's ridiculous that Iowa State is at number six, even though they lost to Louisiana. I don't get that. I don't know why they're there. I don't understand why they're there. Yeah. But I don't think they're getting in. But you got to take – so this is what Florida needs. Florida needs Texas A&M to lose, and they need Ohio State to lose. Mm-hmm. And they have to beat Alabama. And if they do that, I think they hurt Iowa State because of the significance of their win over Alabama. And they are the SEC champ. And they get in. Alabama will get in, too. But I think that's the way in. So there is a path in. I feel like I'm doing election coverage. There is a path in for Florida. But then why doesn't – so if Northwestern beats Ohio State, then why does Northwestern get in? Because where is uh, Northwestern on that uh, thing? They even think about them. You know, Georgia's number eight. Cincinnati can't get in, right? Uh, Cincinnati can't – and that's the thing. The shame of this is – we have no idea how good Ohio State really is. We think they're good. Northwestern's 14, by the way. Yeah, so they got no chance. You know, uh, Cincinnati has no chance. Mm-hmm. This group of five stuff, which I, I'm a believe, this is where the old guard has to has to step outside the box. College football is a good old boy network, and and this is another example of it. They got us away from computers. They went to four teams, and they said, "Hey, we're outside the box, man." No, you're not, because you're still pigeonholing anybody that's good. But if they're not in the Power Five, and they still can't make it, you cannot. But, this is like this is like Augusta still not allowing women in. I mean, that's oh what, man. I mean, that's oh, that's wow. what, well, that's what it is. Oh, it's, wow. You can't get in. Hey, are these not the, the the top four best teams in the country right now? Or, I or, think, or would you disagree with me? I believe they are. Well, then what are we talking about? Well, what are we talking about? You should still have an opportunity. An opportunity. Cincinnati has dropped a spot each of the last two weeks and didn't play. Florida dropped a sp- one spot, mm-hmm. even though they played and lost to a three-win team. And we know LSU's not- If you're going to tell me the eye test, well, we know LSU isn't good. My yeah. eyes tell me that. LSU's not national championship good. Yeah. So uh, my eyes tell me you can't use the eye test sometimes when it's convenient. And this is why we need an 18 playoff. I mean, if there's ever been a year that we need an 18 playoff, this is finally it. It usually works itself out. This is not working itself out this year. This is a mess, what the committee has set up. And it's rigged. 
to not allow the group of five in. The group of five, and UCF, by the way, proved it. UCF, if UCF never got a chance and, and where they were ranked, they wouldn't even have had a chance, even if it shook out a certain way. Yeah. If they didn't get a chance based on their two-year run, well, nobody's getting a chance. This is like a tradition like no other because every single year they drop the college football playoff in the top four. People always get upset about it. There's always this emotion of like, well, I can't believe. Listen, well, great. Alabama's probably going to win. Clemson's probably going to win. Ohio State more than likely is going to win. All those things have a very good shot of happening. And if that's the case, those are the four teams. You have nothing to be mad about. That's the way it takes up. Yeah, it's the processes of it, though, that don't add up, right? And and I just think you want more teams that still have a chance uh, at this point. And I saw, like, Joe Klatt said, well, the, Alabama would beat Cincinnati by a million. They're beating everybody by a million. They're averaging 32.7 points per win yeah. this year. The SEC is like a group of five conference for Alabama. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. They just go to eight teams. Come on, people. Well, that's what I said. Why is this man? so hard? The, the, hey, the, and they could, man. It could be a surprise. I'm telling you, yeah. I, I'm calling it. Listen, you were right. They probably four best teams might get in, but still, there's an integrity issue with the college football playoff committee, and it's about integrity in college football a little bit. And they need to go to eight teams just to solve that. We'll be back on ESPN 690 live from Fields Cadillac in Orange Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.